Hi, my name is Alex DeRosa, and I am the Family Life Pastor here at New Life, and thank you again so much for being with us right now. Before we get into the message today, I just wanted to say Happy Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day weekend, so Happy Mother's Day to anyone out there that is a mother. If you're wondering, why am I more dressed up than normal? Maybe you're not. If you are, though, um, I'm dressed up specifically to honor the mothers that are in my life, which is my mom and my mother-in-law, and of course my wife, who is the mother to our two wonderful boys. And so thank you so much, mothers, for what you do. It's it's a hard job. I don't get all of it. And and I, I, I mean, hey. You make the world go around, so thank you so much, mothers, for everything you do. Right now, we are in part three of a series called New Beginnings, Life in the Spirit. And this is one of the most profound message series that we do. Now, I don't say that to kind of toot our own horn or anything like that. I I say that because when I first came to New Life seven years ago, we did this series, and it was transformational for my life. It changed the way that I looked at the world, and I interacted with God, and I am so honored and humbled to be able to be a part of the series this time around. Pastor Chris kicked us off two weeks ago talking about the holy who, and during that series, or during that message, rather, he said this, until we know who the Holy Spirit is, we will never experience the fullness of his presence and power. We'll never experience his fullness. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want a half measure of the experience with God. I don't want a half measure of my relationship with God. I want the full thing. And so if we are going to enjoy that fullness with our relationship with God. We got to know who the Holy Spirit is. Last week, Pastor Barry talked about the promise. And during that message, he said this, the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Now, I thought this is really cool. Just this idea that the all-powerful, all-knowing, miraculous God is available to all of us. Recently, I got to experience that at a retreat for the New Life students called Rebloom One Day. Now, Matt Bartlett, our director of student ministries, did an amazing job putting it together. And during the Saturday night service, we sent all of the students out into nature and said, just spend 20 minutes with God. 20 minutes with God hearing. Don't have an agenda. Just let God work. And he wants to work. He wants to talk to you. He wants to, to speak with you with his Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And so as students went out, it was actually raining a little bit. Then we brought them back in and, and we sang some worship songs. And then we sent them to discuss what had happened with their small groups. And during the sixth grade small group time, one of the girls started sharing something that was on our heart. And then another one said, wait, hold on. God was telling me during my prayer time that I needed to pray for someone tonight that is going through what you're going through. I need to pray for you right now. So they gathered around and they prayed for this student and it was just unbelievable, miraculous the way that the Holy Spirit spoke to our sixth grade girls and their small group leaders, Bethany Bowser and Biff Whitmire, just have done an amazing job of setting them up for this opportunity to hear from God. And so the Holy Spirit is available to all of us, to everyone. We just sometimes got to listen, but he wants to speak to us. And as we go forward today, I wanted to, to just really start by talking about some foundational things about the Holy Spirit that, again, when I came to New Life, I only then started to understand. I was working in a church for almost six years before coming here, and I did not know who the Holy Spirit was. 
I had heard about him in songs like the doxology. I don't know if you've ever heard. It's an older song. It says, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that was about all of my knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And we referred to him as the Holy Ghost. And I was like, I, I've been told that ghosts aren't real. I don't really understand what the Holy Spirit is. So kind of, kind of dismiss it. And then I came here and I found out some interesting things. But before we get into that, why don't we pray? During this series, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I know that the enemy does not want us to, to succeed, does not want this message to get into the hearts and minds of people. Because again, I honestly believe that this series can be one of the most transformational series we ever do. Because if we get who the Holy Spirit is, if we understand his relationship with us, we will be able to experience God in a new and profound way that will shape how we see the world, how we interact with God, and how we relate with others. So why don't we invite and acknowledge the Holy Spirit's presence with us right now, and then we can continue. Dear God, I thank you right now for being with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will fill our hearts and our minds Help us to understand what it is that you do and who you are. I pray that you remove any distraction that might be trying to get in the way right now. Anything that's trying to hamper us from understanding who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, to begin, one of the things that I found out when I first came to New Life was this. The Holy Spirit is a person and not an it. He is as much a part of God as Jesus and the Father. The Holy Spirit is a person and not an it. When it goes God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, sometimes the Holy Spirit can be thought of as kind of like this weird cousin that no one talks about. But he is just as much as part of the Trinity as the Father and the Son a couple years ago, I was in a class for my master's program, and I stumbled upon a diagram. And I wanted to share it with you today because it was helpful for me. And so we're going to put that up right now, and I just want to talk to you a moment about what it says. So at the top of it, it says the Father. And then it goes, if you're going to go around the circle, it says the Father is not the Spirit, who is not the Son, who is not the Father. So we kind of have that. They're not... The Father is not the Spirit, the, uh, the Spirit is not the Son, the Son is not the Father. However, the Father is God, the Spirit is God, and the Son is God. All of them make up God and who He is. I've, I've heard before that it was described kind of like H2O, water. So water can come in the form of a liquid, of a gas, or a solid, and when it does that, it's still H2O. It's still considered water. Same thing. The Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father all make up God. But even though that might be true, we oftentimes have an easier time saying that God the Father is a he, is a person. Jesus, who walked on this earth, is a person than the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, when he would go to describe the Holy Spirit, this happened. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Comforter, or the counselor. He said the Holy Spirit would live in us and lead us into all truth. I don't know about you, but I need a comforter and a counselor with me pretty much all the time. I need someone to walk through life with me that has the answers, and the Holy Spirit is willing to do that and wants to do that with us. However, when we hear stuff like that, sometimes it just sounds too simple. Like, okay, the Holy Spirit is all places at all time. Okay, the Holy Spirit can, can speak to us. It, it's, we can kind of be skeptical about that idea because of its simplicity. We can start to poke holes in what we think might not be the truth. So much so that there's this guy named Johannes 
Amritzer, and he would say this, remember, the simpler, the better. The reason many people in the Western world cannot experience Jesus or his supernatural work is because it's too simple. Hear that again. The, uh, the reason many people in the Western world cannot experience Jesus or his supernatural work is because it's too simple. We become skeptical. We dismiss it. Oh, no, that person wasn't necessarily healed by the Holy Spirit or by the power of Jesus. Maybe it was some miraculous thing of science that happened. We try to say, oh, may, there has to be a reason behind it that's not just God because it would be too simple. In God's Word, there's a man named Naaman who really lived this truth out, this idea that he fought against this simplicity. You see, Naaman, thousands of years ago, was a commander in the Syrian army. And he ended up getting leprosy, which leprosy is this terrible disease where it like takes like your fingers and takes your skin and it's just awful and no cure for it. And so he had this disease and didn't know what to do. Well, eventually he found out about this prophet of the Lord named Elisha. And Elisha was this guy that was known for speaking the words of God and for also healing people. And so this Syrian commander Naaman said, okay, well, why don't we go and find Elisha and we'll give him gifts and we'll, we'll give him money and we'll give him fancy clothes and he'll maybe do this cool ritual or this, this ceremony and I will be healed. Maybe he'll make me do some difficult things or whatever, but I will be healed through it and I'll be, I'll be brought honor by it and then and we can go on our way. And so they, they venture to Elisha. And when they get there, Elisha doesn't actually come out of his house. He sends one of his servants. And one of his servants goes to Naaman and says, hey, Naaman, uh, Elijah says, all you got to do to be healed by God, the living God, is just go into that Jordan River. You see that Jordan River? It's kind of dirty. Don't worry about it. It's kind of dirty. Just dip in there seven times. Once you do that, you'll be healed. You go on your way. Glory to God. And so he says that, and Naaman gets mad. He gets really frustrated by it. He, he even says stuff like, wait, I don't want to go in the dirty Jordan. Syria has much better rivers. They're nicer rivers. Are you kidding me? I don't want to do this. This isn't honorable. And I don't know if he thought maybe it was a joke being pulled on him or maybe it was like a prideful thing, but he turned to leave, to not receive this healing, this simple way to be healed. He didn't want it. And I think maybe it was this kind of this pride. Do I really need to go into this dirty river? Is that really what God wants me to do? Now, when I first actually put this message together, I was kind of scoffing at Naaman, honestly. Like, come on, man. Like, you want to get healed? And that's what they say. Like, I would probably jump in a dirty pond for like $5. So you're not going to go in there to get healed? Are you kidding me? And then, like God does, he brought a story to my mind from my life where I was kind of equally fighting a simple solution. And this was a recent one. This is actually a couple weeks ago. So I was on study leave, which here at New Life, we are told as pastors that if, if we want to go away and pray and, and read God's word and just grow closer to God, we should. That We're encouraged to do that, to grow closer to God. And, and during these study weeks, I've heard from God sometimes more clearly than ever. And God's always done something miraculous in my heart. And so I decided to go away a couple weeks ago. And the first two days I spent at Seneca Hills Bible Camp, and it was incredible. And then for the next two days, I went up to Laurelville Camp, and Pastor Barry was there. So he usually spends his whole week there. And, and I went up to join him, and one of the days he said, why don't we just go get together and pray out loud? And now, this is weird, because I do pray a lot. I just 
just prayed out loud a couple minutes ago. But when I went to go pray out loud with Pastor Barry, I felt this nerve starting in my stomach. There was this knot that started to form. But I said yes. And so we sat down. And, and as I was praying, I continued to feel this Holy Spirit just burden my heart and this this knock got deeper and deeper to the point where I was literally on my knees on my face and I felt this pain inside of me and I heard God start talking to me about this fear these these chains that have been binding me specifically and I'll tell you here I just I want to make sure that I'm transparent in this moment it was this fear about not being good enough, this fear of not being a good enough father and not being a good enough husband, this fear that I'm going to do something wrong that's going to set my kids down a bad path, that I'm going to do something wrong that's going to send my wife away, that I'm just not going to be good enough. And then on top of that, it's this idea of as I continue to be a pastor, as I lead out as a pastor, my, my fear was, do, am I going to have to choose? Am I going to be a good pastor? Am I going to be good at my job? Or am I going to be a good husband or good father? Can I be all three? I don't think I can. In that moment, that's what I thought. I didn't think I could. And I felt I was fighting this guilt that I kept feeling. When I spent time with my family, I felt guilty that I wasn't spending time at work and vice versa. And it was just ongoing. And there was this pain inside of me. And I heard God said, all you have to do to get healing is just confess it out loud. Confess it out loud. God's word says when we confess our sins to one another, there is healing. And so as I was sitting there, I was just trying to make deals with God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to say that to Barry. I don't want him to think that I'm dumb or that I think I'm scared or think anything lower of me. I don't want to do that. God, what if you just heal me? What if you just do it on your own? Or what if maybe I just deal with this for the next couple years and then it's okay? Is there something more difficult but less humiliating that I can do? Because I'm already on my face. Do I really need to like, be honest about this? And I would be honest, I don't really like crying in, 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 in public, in, in front of other people. And so I'm actually crying. I don't know if Barry saw that. I tried my hardest not to, because again, I was like trying to, trying, to, trying to not do that. But then Barry's prompted by the Holy Spirit, says, hey, is there something you need to tell me? And I'm like, come on, God. And so finally, I, I say it. I say it out loud. I just confess it out loud. And immediately there is this this freedom that happened, this healing that occurred. And then Pastor Barry spoke some amazing truth about God being a great father and what he's called me to, to be and to, to do. And it was really healing. And we left that experience. I just I felt so much better. I felt so, so healed. And I look back at that. I'm like, I almost missed it because of my pride, because I didn't want to be humiliated or whatever. I didn't want to be healed. I, I thought it was too simple. And, and so Naaman's doing the same thing. He's trying to run from this because he didn't want to be maybe a little humiliated or maybe he thought it was too simple or it wasn't honoring enough to him until someone, one of his soldiers, very much like Barry, spoke up and he said this. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Naaman swallowed his pride. He dipped in the Jordan seven times and he was healed of his leprosy. It might have sounded too simple, but God works that way. God doesn't need this big work to, to make something happen. He can just make things happen. He can heal an incurable disease any way he pleases. But sometimes we want to add layers of complexity. We even do this when it comes to accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Paul, in the letter to the Romans, would say this about salvation. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. It sounds too simple, right? Okay, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and then you'll be saved. Don't we need to do a bunch of works to make ourselves feel better, to, to make atonement? And God says, no, Jesus did that for you. Unfortunately, people have been satisfied with that over the last couple thousands of years since Jesus ascended into heaven. And it's why we have this bad stereotype regarding religion. Because religion has added these, these rules into place to make people feel a certain way so that it isn't simple like God wanted it to be. Pastor Chris has actually said this before. Religion is a system of beliefs and traditions intended to inform us about God. It gives us rituals and rules to make us feel good when we live them and bad when we don't. But Jesus, he came not to give us religion. He came to give us a relationship with the living, breathing God of the universe. He came to allow us to to be free of our sins, and to join with God. And it does sound a little simple, but it is true. And so today, as we walk into this idea of this Holy Spirit, what we're going to be talking about is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in the moment when Pastor Barry spoke truth to me, that was being filled with the Holy Spirit. When that sixth grade girl was, heard from God, she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then she, she prayed. We're talking about that. And here is a truth that, again, might not sound very complicated, but is profound. And this is our take-on point. It's the point that the whole message is about. It says this, Each of us needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could receive the Holy Spirit, who is God, as a comforter and a counselor every day of our lives. But we are told to be filled on an ongoing, constant, consistent basis. And we get that from a book of the God's Word. It was a letter to a church in Ephesus called the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote it. And in Ephesians chapter 5, it would talk specifically about being And we're actually going to read from two different translations today, the NLT and the NIV. The NLT is a New Living Translation, the NIV, New International Version, and they're both translated from the original Greek, and they have a little nuances in them that I think both of them will help us understand what God is trying to teach us. So Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 21st NLT, and then NIV. NLT says this, So be careful how you live. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Then you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now let's look at the NIV. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The focal point from both of them comes from verse 18. And that's really the heart of this message. Verse 18 in the NLT said, Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And in the NIV it says, Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So, both very similar. Be filled or give up control and be filled. Again, we're not getting crazy complicated. Just saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, at first when I started to work on this message, I thought, man, that is a foreign term being filled. Like, can we relate to that? And then I thought, wait a second. We actually use those terminology all the time. We talk about being filled with love or filled with joy. And because it's Mother's Day weekend, I thought I would use an example from a romantic comedy called 27 Dresses. Maybe you've seen it. It's a good one. James Marsden, Catherine Heigl. They're great. And in that movie, Catherine Heigl's character says, when she's at a wedding, she loves when the bride is coming down the aisle. Every eye is on the bride to just glance back quickly at the groom as he looks at his incoming bride because he's so filled with what? With joy and with love. If someone's lying to us, we sometimes say, you're lying to me, or you say you're filled with garbage or whatever. And then if someone's mad, they're filled with anger or they're filled with rage or they could be filled with jealousy or malice or you could be full of laughter. We use that terminology often. And so as we think about this idea of being full, we have to ask ourselves, what are you, what are we full of? What are we full of? What would people describe you as full of? And today we're given a choice. And the Apostle Paul tells us that what we should be full of is the Holy Spirit. I mean, what he basically is telling us is that if you want to be full of joy and peace and power and the the comfort that comes from knowing the everlasting God, then you want to be full with the Holy Spirit. And for me, if it's this choice between being full of garbage or whatever and then being filled with all of that goodness of the Holy Spirit, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as we dig into Ephesians 5, we're going to be kind of walking through a process of how to be filled. And then we're going to talk about what benefits come to our lives as we are filled. And so the first thing that we can learn from Ephesians 5 is this. The people Paul told to be filled with the Holy Spirit were already believers. So it puts our minds into the right perspective. He starts the book of Ephesians by saying this. This letter is from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. It is written to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May grace and peace be yours, sent to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he's stating part of the process Before we accept the Holy Spirit, before we can be filled by the Holy Spirit, we have to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Why? Because we got to get rid of all that sin, all that stuff that is not of God. we got to get that out of here so that the Holy Spirit can fill us up. So we give our lives to Jesus as Lord. We ask for forgiveness, and then the Holy Spirit can come and take over our lives. Know this. We receive the Holy Spirit when we believe. But here's the next part of the process. But we still need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of them fill us up when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. But we still need to be filled. We still need to be baptized too. And baptism is what Pastor Chris is going to be talking about more in detail next week. But for right now, let's just know that we still need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And so as, as we think about this idea, it's not just a, a one-time deal. In fact, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality where we are constantly being filled. And we actually know that right from Ephesians 5. It says this, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. It's very simple, but it just says, be filled with the Spirit. And so we can dive deeper into the translation. Now, this is something that I learned from Pastor Chris. So all credit to him on this. I don't know Greek and Hebrew very well. I actually have a class coming up soon about Greek and Hebrew. I'm kind of nervous about it because I don't know much about it at all. But this, this comes from Pastor Chris and his teaching, and I thought it was very important, so I wanted to pass it on. So the Greek word for this being filled Filled is actually this, this word called plerosethi. I don't know. I mean, that's probably pronounced really wrong. But it, what it translates specifically to is be being filled. And be being filled is a present passive imperative verb. It's a mouthful, right? So let me say it again. Be being filled is a present a passive imperative verb. So we're going to get into what those mean. But, so it's not just be filled, it's be being filled. And in the English language, we can confuse ourselves sometimes too. Because for instance, if I caught someone, for instance, uh, Pastor Barry, and I caught him eating my lunch, which probably wouldn't happen, but if it did happen, I could say, stop eating my lunch. Now that might mean spit that Toblerone out of your mouth right now. Or it might mean Stop eating my lunch every day when I put it in the fridge. What's wrong with you? That's my lunch. It could be a right now or it could mean a forever. Stop eating my lunch forever. And so what this is saying when it says it's the present passive imperative, it's something that is ongoing. Be being filled. So let's break it down a little bit more. The first part of that is present. So meaning it, it's, it's an action that is ongoing. So it's a present action that constantly happens. The second thing is passive, which means that it happens to us. It's not something that we can force. We can't like drag the Holy Spirit and like force him into us. It, it, it's, it's something that the Holy Spirit does to us. And again, this comes in illustration right from Pastor Chris, and I thought it was super helpful. It's kind of like looking at ourselves as an empty water bottle and saying we want to be filled but as the water bottle, we can't actually fill ourselves. We don't have that ability. We want to be filled, but we're, we're passive. And so all we can do is listen to God's command, which is that next step. That's an imperative. Imperative is a command. And the command given to us is to simply receive. So that means we're opening up the lid. Now you might see people raising their hands and that's one of those ways that they're really opening up the lid and saying, Holy Spirit, come. They're making yourself available for the Holy Spirit. You're just opening it up. And once you open it up, what happens is God fills us up. So a little demonstration here. We got this uh, pretty little mug here because it's, uh, again, it's Mother's Day. So I didn't want to go something basic on it. Just wanted to give us a nice uh, Mother's Day thing. So when we open up the lid, the Holy Spirit happily fills us up. And so he does that when we just ask him to do that. And he wants to do that because that's part of the relationship that we were created to enjoy. So we become full when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. However, it's important to know that why we are constantly being refilled is because we as people are broken. We are broken vessels. And so, for instance, if you look at this water bottle and you say, well, what if this water bottle had a leak in it? And so I, I actually cut a little hole in it and then taped it over. And so you would see that as we're standing here, the the water is draining out. You might not be able to see it very well, but it is draining out. You can see it's going down little by little because when life starts to happen to us, 
when we start to go through the struggles of this world, we get broken down. And as broken vessels, as sinful beings, we need to be filled over and over and over again. It's important to know that the Holy Spirit doesn't leak, but we do. And so we want the Holy Spirit always to fill us up. All right, so that's the, that's, that's the illustration there. Oh, I, I guess I could have opened it more and it would have poured out, but that's the illustration. You get that. So we want to be be being filled. We actually can see this in God's word as happening. So last week, Pastor Barry talked about Acts chapter 2, which happened, which what happened there was 120 believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit descended on 120 believers. And then later on in God's word, we see Peter and John who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They go to a temple. And outside the temple is this lame beggar, meaning that he couldn't walk. And so he asked Peter and John, hey, can you give me some money to be healed or just to get, get some money to go buy food or whatever like that? And they said, well, we don't actually have money, but we have something more than that. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus Christ. So in the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed, stand up and walk. And so he stands up and he jumps around and he's healed and everyone sees what is happening. They know that this person was a cripple. And so they're like, what happened? And then Peter and John say, it was Jesus that healed this, this beggar. And so what happens is after that, the Jewish leaders hear about Peter and John and they get angry. They didn't like this idea that Jesus was the Savior. So they took Peter and John and they threw him in prison. And they were hoping that overnight maybe the story would change and they would come out and give a more rational idea. Because in their minds, that sounds too simple. The Holy Spirit doesn't just heal people. Jesus doesn't just heal people, raise people from the dead. Are you kidding me? And so after this night in jail, this is what occurred. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead that the man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. At the very beginning of that, it says Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and was able to talk about the truth of God. Boldly stood in front of this panel of people. They're called the Sanhedrin, these Jewish leaders, and proclaimed the name of Jesus. Now, this panel was not very happy about it. So they discussed among themselves and then they came back and threatened. They said, don't talk about Jesus anymore, all right? We'll let you go. Don't talk about Jesus. And Peter and John were like, we can't help but talk about Jesus. We've seen what he has done. We know what he's going to do. We know that he offers salvation. So we're not going to be done talking. We're going to talk about Jesus some more. So they talk again and they say, well, we can't really hold them. I mean, this guy's healed. Obviously he's healed. And so they dismiss them and Peter and John leave. Now, some some part of our brain might think that like, okay, the wise thing to do would be to lay low and to kind of be in, in fear and, and to not do anything else for a little bit because you don't want to be thrown in jail. But something amazing happens when people experience the goodness of the Holy Spirit is that they want more of it. They don't want to just abandon it. They want to continue experiencing that. When people come home from service projects or from mission trips, often we hear 
When can we go again? We got to do that again. We don't hear, okay, here's the thing. Like, let's take a while off. People are excited to go back because they can experience the goodness of God. So they go with some believers and they pray a prayer. And this is one of the things that they say. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They don't pray for safety. They pray for boldness. They're praying for boldness that they can continue to do more and do greater things. And then the Holy Spirit responds once more. And it continues Acts 4.31 this time. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So what have we seen? Pastor Barry talked about it last week at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended, baptized, filled. And then Peter, when he was in front of the Sanhedrin, filled again. And then once more, as the believers were sitting together, the Holy Spirit filled them again. So consistently, constantly being refilled. Each of us, what we can take from this. Each of us to be, needs to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Acts 4 is really just talking about what happened in Acts 5. we got to be being filled. So what happens? So what is some of the benefits? We've seen some of it already. You get boldness. You get to experience miracles. But there's even more to that. One of the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit is a deeper intimacy with God. That yes, we get this boldness. Yes, we get these miracles. But we get a deeper intimacy, a deeper relationship with God. We get to know the creator of the universe, because he dwells among us. He dwells inside of us, and then he can work through us. It says this in, in Ephesians chapter 5, as it continues talking about some of the benefits we have. So the first one is this deeper intimacy. The second one is this idea of being filled with this just overabounding joy in our lives. It says, then you, say, you will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you will always give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So our hearts will be so full of love and joy that we will literally be singing about the Holy Spirit, about God and his wonders. And sometimes it won't actually be words. It will just be this bubbling up in our hearts. And again, when I first read that, I thought, can we relate to that? And then I remember one of my first dates with Rachel, who's now my wife, and driving home, going down this road called Darlington Road. And I was just singing. I was just so excited about this, this newfound love that I had with Rachel. And I was singing stuff like The Temptations, My Girl, or Miley Cyrus is the Climb, or something like that, something epic and, and profound. And as I was singing, I just was filled with this joy. And same thing, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have this, uh, this abounding joy. And it doesn't mean that there's always going to be happiness. It's always, it's always going to be easy. But it means that there's this joy knowing that God of the universe is with us. So we have this deep relationship. We have this joy that brings about these songs in our heart. And then finally, we will see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Because you might be asking yourself, how do we know if we're filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer is kind of simple. He will flow out from us. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll notice it in the way that we talk, the way that we act, and the way that we react, which I think sometimes is even harder to do because you can plan a good action, but sometimes you can't necessarily plan a good 
reaction. So our thoughts will be changed. The way that we treat people and see people will be changed. And he'll flow out on the people around us so they will see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what will happen? We'll have this deep intimacy. We'll have these songs of joy coming into our hearts. And then it will flow out and impact those around us. And then finally, we'll be filled with this grateful heart because a spirit-filled person is a grateful person. So we can know this. If we're ungrateful, then we may have the Holy Spirit, but we aren't filled with Him. So when we are filled, though, we live this praised life where we're thanking God that we're being grateful and that our attitude has completely shifted. The Holy Spirit does that in our lives. So if you want to enjoy the blessings of the Holy Spirit, if you want to partner with what God is doing, it simply asks us to take off that lid and to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up. And we can do that this week. This week, right now, we can actually do this right this moment and we'll have an opportunity as we pray together. We'll have this opportunity to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up. But if we want to do that, we can do it through this next step, which says, I will open myself to being filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. And like we said earlier, if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the first step is accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then this message has been talking about how it's not complicated. And asking Jesus to be Lord and Savior, we read already in the book of Romans, it's not complicated. Here at New Life, we say it's actually as simple as ABC. A meaning admit, we're admitting that we're a sinner and that we need Jesus as a Savior. B, believing in Jesus as that Son of God, believing in Him as our Savior. And then finally, confessing our sins, asking for forgiveness, confessing our needs for an owner of our lives and for a rescuer of sin and death. So right now, we're gonna have an opportunity to give our lives over to Jesus. And then after that, I'm gonna continue praying and give us an opportunity to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then every day, we can do that. All day, we can just, as we're in line at the store, we can be filled. As we're driving, ask to be filled. As we're in conversations with people, ask to be filled. That's one of the things I've been doing lately. I've been asking to be filled as I'm in conversations. Do I share love right now? Do I be more stern? Do I go into a conflict right now? Do I let this go? Holy Spirit, please direct me because I don't know. I'm a broken vessel. I need you to fill me up. So right now, why don't we pray? Asking for salvation. If you are in here, I'm gonna pray and I would encourage you to pray the same prayer but with your words in your heart. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, I I pray right now if there's anyone that is listening that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, will say this prayer with me right now. Dear God, I believe that you are the one true God. Please forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, be my Lord, my owner. I believe that you came and died for my sins and rose again. Make me a new creation pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And if God, if anyone's in here and they want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, let them pray this prayer with me right now. Holy Spirit, please fill me up to the point of overflowing so that not only do I get to experience the goodness of you, but it overflows to the people around me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us remember as we go out today that the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in us. So let's be being filled 
all the time, knowing and experience the power, the boldness, the joy, the love that God offers us. Let's not go for a half measure. Let's do the full measure of God, experience everything that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have to give us. And when life hits us this week, let's open up that lid and be filled again. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I, I just want to encourage you that if you need prayer today to get that right now, that if you did accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, to, to press that button so that we can interact with you. And let's be being filled this week.